Hey everyone. So this is our week off, um, but we thought we'd take this opportunity to share one of our favorite podcasts out there, seen on radio. If you are not particularly interested in history or different perspectives about how we've arrived at this moment in time in our country, you can skip it. And we will be back next week with our regular show. It's a good one and you'll be psyched. Okay, so for those of you that are still with me right now, the other day, one of my closest friends was trolling me on a text thread and kept digging up all these articles I wrote for our college paper, the UW Daily. It was some really hard-hitting stuff, let me tell you. Like the time the maintenance crew found a dead piranha in the fountain. So he's sending all these, these, these stories that I wrote and making fun of me. And he shares the last story I wrote before I, I think I left school. Um, it's dated from November 2000, a couple weeks after that year's election. George Bush ran against Al Gore. But at that stage, almost three weeks after we'd all voted, we still didn't know who had won because there were all these ballot errors in Florida. And it came down to one county, Palm Beach County, the place where I grew up. The paper ballots that people used, they made it easy for someone to punch. That was the actual term for moving the tiny bit of paper to candidates. And that became known as a hanging chat and sort of disqualify your vote. I was going home to see my family, so I pitched the editor of our paper about doing a story. It would be a hard-hitting, dramatic political piece. I went home for Thanksgiving with my press pass, ready to cover the unfolding drama. And I showed up and, you know, I went to the, the county building where they're counting votes and there really wasn't that much going on. There were like two or three people with signs and a few cable news vans because it was crazy, right? The, there were 537 votes decided that election and the Supreme Court had to ultimately come in and weigh in and decide who won. But all that happening, there there really wasn't that much angst about it. I mean, the entire election for president got derailed by one county's crappy ballots. And most people kind of just shrugged. Or at least in that corner of Florida, they did. Nationwide, Gore, he won the popular vote. But Bush, because of that, won the Electoral College just barely. And basically, it all came down to Chad's. And we all nodded and shrugged and got on with it. And I think for me... That was the first time I remember thinking, our democracy, our American democracy that I'd spent so much time learning about, that I was taught to revere, that the politicians always called the shiny city on the hill, it was kind of weird, like hella weird in the parlance of 21-year-old me. Or at the very least, it was way more complicated and maybe more interesting than my teachers or textbooks ever let on. As we approach this year's election, we've all heard the word democracy a lot. And we've all heard the word America a lot as well. Earlier this year, the team at CNON Radio, hosts John Biwin and Chenjirai Kumanyika, decided they would dive deep into this concept of American democracy. Some of you may be familiar with their work a few years ago. Their second season, called Seeing White, tackled the construct of race in America. It's quite popular. It's great and highly recommended. We wanted to share a little bit about this latest season, the land that never has been yet. A few weeks ago, John sat down to chat with me about this latest season, here's our conversation, followed by the trailer. You can find Seeing on Radio anywhere you get your podcasts. I cannot recommend it enough. So, really quickly, could you just describe for us um, what you and Tendrai set out to do in season four of your show? 
Yeah, basically, you know, following up on um, Seeing White, which was about race and kind of the history of race and the construction of race, and then scene, scene, season three, which was called Men, and it was about patriarchy. I guess, you know, I was thinking about some things like, could should our next season be on capitalism or, uh, you know, which felt like in a way the third leg of a stool in some ways uh, following up on race and and sexism but really what 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 i ended up doing is i felt like um the country is in a is it is really in ter- in a crisis in terms of the state of our democracy and and the future of our democracy um but by examining that in historical terms we could also look at much deeper questions uh including you know what uh, the, the sort of the intersection of the way that we think about democracy, which we tend to think about it in terms of voting and things like individual rights, like the right to free speech and stuff like that, right? But how does that intersect with questions of economics and economic justice and other forms of social justice so that would, so that it would really be building on the previous two, two seasons in a way that would feel, uh, you know, deep, but also kind of illuminating in a new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, one of the things that I loved about this season four um, is that you, that you point out is that our democracy and in all these different aspects of it, um, you know, whether it's a sort of more standard sense of how we understand democracy or everything of, or on the level of, of our schools um, is that it's always been fraught and that there's a, that in these times where like in a moment like now where things are really um, feel really tense and, and really, unstable i guess in a way that actually historically is is a moment or they tend to be moments where um we're our democracy is almost at its strongest at those periods of time so it's it's almost in those periods where it's like a little more stable that that maybe we we take we backpedal a little bit you know you you launched this season in january president trump uh's impeachment trial was beginning i think was it the same day that you guys started it that week anyway yeah that week yeah um and then 2020 just just rolled into being the class five of of years, um, you know, COVID nineteen. We're clearly not s- sticking our response on that. Um, then George Floyd sparked a nationwide conversation about race and power structures. And while those discussions are great, it's really unclear about like what's going to happen if that's going to lead to much. Um, there's a lot of fear and depression and anger. And yet, for me, listening to this season that that you've created. Um, I found myself feeling hopeful and um, I'm curious as the creator of the show, whether that, that feeling that I'm having, is that completely misguided? Did I miss the point? Yeah. Well, I'm glad um, because, you know, and as we, we discuss once or twice, we see uh, and I, we talked about how, you know, there's a, it could sort of feel like one bummer after another listening to the, to the season because U S history is, um, is uglier than, frankly, when you're telling the truer version of it, it's uglier than the one we usually get in, in middle school and high school history class. But uh, you, you referred earlier to the fact that in moments of crisis, uh, I guess the way I would put it a little bit differently than what you put it, the way you put it, which is not not that in those moments our, our country is at its most democratic, but that those moments often lead to forward motion forward movement you know that those are times when what what are can be seen as really radical fringy sorts of ideas like 
you know, women should be able to vote, right? Or, you know, black people should be able to vote. That in moments of deepest crisis, ideas that can seem radical um, sort of come to the fore and have it, things get shaken up in a way that um, such that those, those ideas can seem not only plausible, but even necessary um, at, in that moment. So I do think, I do think people who kind of understand this, this, the way that history has worked in this way uh, are feeling at least maybe cautious, maybe very cautiously optimistic, but feeling like, yeah, the moment we're in could lead to uh, progressive change and, and even more radical change that was unlikely without the kinds of crises that we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, John, you know, I first, I first heard your work um, a while back, and I can't—I mean, I can't remember what the exact year it was, but uh, it was on This American Life, um, and you okay. created. That would have been about 2012. 2012, um, and it was the—you had a story about growing up. Uh, the episode was called "Little War on the on the Prairie," and you grew up in Mankato, Minnesota, um, which was the site of the largest max mass execution in U.S. history. Um, when 38 Dakota Indians were hanged after a war with white settlers. And in that episode, you reflect that it was that, that growing up in this place, you had no idea that that happened in, in this small sort of town where you, where you lived. Um, and essentially that the, that the history had evaporated or maybe, maybe the better way of saying it would be that that it was built over or paved over this kind of almost the same way that we make our cities where we kind of build on top of it. It's like, ah, oh, well, we, we don't like that building anymore. It just, it's, you know, just build over it. Um, you know, in the second season you mentioned earlier, you, you did the seeing white, you, you got, you guys take on this construct of race and you reveal how it was built. And, um, and now the history of the democracy, you, you are really good at taking us an intellectual crowbar to a wall that's covered in pretty paintings, you know, like you, you sort of, and then you reveal the, the deeper foundational truths of how these things are built and how they're created. You know, listening, listening to you and Chandrai, it seems like you guys have uh, enjoyed doing it too together. I'm curious, like you've made a career of it. Um, is this something that you do for yourself, for the sake of others? Um, you know, is it something that even whether you've even kind of, come to enjoy that process of sort of pulling back to reveal how something was made? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think so. I mean, um, I've been, you know, I've been at this for 35 years as, you know, many years as a public radio reporter, documentary maker, now making this podcast. Um, and there's always been, uh, it's always been satisfying to me to feel like I were, I was telling truths that were, not as known as I've as they should be, right? It's, it's just a simple way of putting it, or that run counter even to the narratives that we might, you know, that we a lot of us might be carrying around. You know, I I used to do what was considered long form radio, which was I get to do a one hour special, you know, that I might spend months working on, <clears throat> and that felt like this huge canvas. Well, in pod, you can do a podcast series now that's eight or ten or twelve hours long. Uh, and really take the listeners on a 
journey that really uh, it's, it's you know it's comparable in a way to writing a book it's a pretty comprehensive look at a subject and and to go back even to your first question a, you know a simpler way of answering your question what did we set out to do in this series we said all right so the as americans we just routinely talk about we're the world's greatest democracy or certainly that we're we're a democracy and then there are some places that aren't democratic and we think that democracy that we look at our society and say well this is what democracy looks like well how democratic is the united states really how democratic ever has it ever been how democratic did the most powerful people in this country ever want the united states to be and and those kind of questions have a whole lot of resonance especially in this moment where we're seeing our leaders seemingly not all that interested in protecting our democratic institutions right and and if anything are hostile to them and and so it's that's a real eye opener for a lot of us and i think then to look back at a us history and say well this is actually not new at all uh the people with the most power economic and political power in this country have there's a rich history of those people being very skeptical of majority rule and of the people of the country really being able to set the agenda right it's not new at all i there's there's something very satisfying about feeling like you're telling the truth and especially in this moment where there was we have such an epidemic of lying and gaslighting and just you know brazen lying by people in the media and people in power and so in that it, it to me it feels like a real act of of love and and also preserving my own sanity to feel like I'm I'm just out here telling the truth with my modest uh platform you know yeah well it, and it, it comes across that way and you know I think that's that one of the moments I liked in in the season 2 is just where you you know there's a couple of moments where you sort of you, you guys point out that you aren't the news and and you know while we're all media on a on a broad scale like there is that there is a cycle is that we don't have a lot of time for some of that reflection sometimes that, that we take. And, and I, you know, I appreciate that, that in a sense, the podcast has given this ability to, to, to bring these deeper conversations in a way that are more consumable. It, yeah. It's, it's cool to kind of hear that, that truth and to be able to see that because it's something that while I think it probably happens in the media, it, it's, it's much on these smaller sort of quick hits versus the sort of broader um, analysis, which is so important. I'm curious when you when you set out to do this, um, were you surprised by anything that that you found? What you know, or or was it did the hypothesis really hold true as you set out and you did the research and the reporting? Um, you know what what did you learn from creating it? Uh, I guess what comes to mind first is that what became a recurring theme was was the theme of uh, you know there there being a tension between democracy on the one hand and you know sort of free market economics capitalist wealth building on the other and i think that you know as we say in this in the series those things what we usually hear in the mainstream of our culture is that those things go hand in hand they're you know that that economic freedom in quotes is is one of our great freedoms and that's one of the reasons that alongside things like freedom of speech and the fact that we have a you know a representative Repu- republican form of democracy and all that right but that 
that those things are, as Chenjerai says at one point, they're like peanut butter and jelly, right? They, they go together and that's the secret to America's greatness. But then to learn that when, you know, when people were writing the constitution, it was pretty, pretty open, pretty openly stated that, well, we don't, we don't want too much democracy. And in fact, at that point under the Articles of Confederation, right after the revolution, there was a lot of feeling that there that they were too democratic. The states were too democratic. They were too accountable to the people. And it was creating some nuisances for the people with the most power and wealth. Um, and so we got to kind of rein that in a little bit and we got to put more checks on democracy into our blueprint for the country. So from then on, actually, when you look at that tension and then you go through American history, you see it recurring again and again. And so democracy loses, um, <clears throat> uh, the, the pe people at the top being able to make lots of money and build more wealth, wealth tends to win out at the expense of democracy. Let's put it that way. And that has happened over, over and over again in U.S. history. That's not to say, to go back to your point about hope and hope, hopelessness and hopefulness, you know, there have been huge things that have happened that have pushed this country in the direction of being more democratic than it was before. But that has been a struggle and it's come, you know, with huge effort and sacrifice by, by regular people and marginalized people through movements. That's what it takes. It doesn't just happen because we all agree in this country that we love democracy. The future of our democracy is at stake. One of the biggest threats facing our democracy. What is at stake in all of this is nothing less than our democracy. Our democracy. This is John Bewin, producer and host of Seen on Radio. I don't know about you, but I've thrown that D word around all my life without thinking deeply about what it means or about our version of it, what American democracy is and what it isn't. For that matter, how democratic was the United States of America ever meant to be? They are protesting the British, but they do not want independence. Really, what they want is conservative. That is, they want to... Looking at this declaration now, it is chiefly memorable for the promises it made. Mighty words, fit lesson for mankind. Violence is part of the system that is America. It's part of the DNA. It's not a bug. And so there are myriad ways that slaveholders were able to disenfranchise poor whites, but the ones that they didn't disenfranchise, they basically just gathered up on election day. They got them really, really drunk, you know. These people are governing in a space where they know there is this very clear assumption that this will be a failure. And if these people don't sort of fail on their own, we'll engineer it so that there's a failure. It's very hard for us to be able to figure out what we mean by democracy apart from markets, apart from property rights. Most would agree American democracy is in crisis today. But really, when was it not? The, the extent to which the United States has been a democracy has always been aspirational rather than uh, complete. I'm thrilled to announce season four. We're calling it The Land That Never Has Been Yet. 
It's a journey into American democracy, with all its deep flaws and limitations, past and present. To the extent the U.S. has become somewhat more democratic, more just, what did it take to make that happen? And what does that tell us about the mess we're in now and how to get out of it? Are anti-democratic forces as powerful as democratic ones to this day? We'll look at these questions and more over a dozen or so episodes. And yes, he's back. <laughs> Seriously? Like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Zero. You know me. Like that. <laughs> Chenjirai Kumanika, my friend and collaborator on our season two series, Seeing White, returns to help me make sense of it all. You know, this country means a lot of things to a lot of people. But if you're asking me, like Chenjirai, it's like, no. No, patriotic about what? Yeah, yeah. Seen on Radio Season 4, coming in January, from the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University, distributed by PRX. If you haven't already, subscribe. Yeah, well, let's do it.